turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And now, back to Lifeline. All right, the time 6.07. All the lines are open. You got a chance to call and uh, chat with PJ on any topic that would uh, fit your fancy for the next hour. one 367 If you want to uh, field a question, make an observation, um, or challenge me on something that I've said, be glad to hear from you. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Just kind of piggybacking on our last caller's observation about um, uh, the frankness of the president's statement. You know, I you know I disagree with Jesus, but then also the lack of uh, sound and biblical retort on the part of the present bishops and uh, ministers. That cadre of individuals really often speaks to what our our Lord warns about. Uh, The Pharisees collapsed into that, whether you know it or not. That's Matthew chapter 23. Uh, And and then within the uh, Gospel of Luke, several times our Lord gave the parable of uh, people that were ambitious to the point of wanting to be publicly noted. And boy, that's a sad, that too is a very sad tenet among professing Christians. It's not too infrequent that I run across ministers who with whom, if I listen carefully for a few minutes, I can tell that what they really are about is position and uh, and uh, uh, prominence, popularity, um, uh, being noted uh, and, and, and being in in the mix with the who's who. That's so common today in religion. And that's all it is, is religion. Uh, when when you see those kind of characteristics and attributes, uh, you know, men that will frequently tout their their learning, tout, tout their education, tout their degrees and degrees and all of that can be fine. But for the most part, historically, we have seen a very checkered history around men who have been degreed. The, the vast majority of the effectual hypocrites and apostates were men of the highest learning, the vast majority of the most effectual and influential hypocrites and apostates were men who have been educated at the highest levels. I am not an anti-intellectual. If anybody knows me, knows that. But what I have been clearly taught from the beginning of my call of the gospel to now is that there is absolutely no tangible correlation between an education that comes academically around theology and a real substantive relationship with the true and the living God spiritually and biblically. There is no substantial correlation between the academic learning that you acquire both in a university setting uh, and then in a theological seminary and then moving on to postgraduate work, masters, and then uh, PhDs and an actual new birth experience. There is no correlation between you having degrees in theology and you actually knowing Jesus. No correlation whatsoever. No, absolutely no correlation. I've seen it over and over again. And quite frankly, what is 
which what what is eminently uh, astounding is that the foundation of the New Testament church was built upon men who were not learned or degreed or lettered as the language would put it forth, including Christ himself. They ask, where did he learn? Where did he get lettered? Where did he obtain a comprehension of the Torah? Where did the Tanakh become so enrichly ingrained in the life of our Savior? How did he acquire such an insight into the scriptures? Not only an insight into the scriptures, but the capacity to communicate the scriptures in such a powerful and influential way. They were asking, what schools did he go to? See, they were blinded then to the reality That this matter of the kingdom of God is not a matter of human, if you will, human preference, human conference. So when the apostle Paul himself, who was serving the wrong high priest, was corrected by the right high priest on the Damascus road, the right high priest knocked him down off of his horse. The wrong high priest had given him letters to kill believers when he met the real high priest. The one man between God and man, Jesus Christ, the true and living high priest who sits in the heavens high above all things. He came to discover that all of his learning was nothing but dong refuge. It was empty because it did not have the essential content of the reality of God in Christ. And he was going in the opposite direction. He was at odds and an enemy of the kingdom of God and Frequently, ladies and gentlemen, that is so much the case today in church. I am never impressed by degrees, never impressed by men's learning. I I tolerate it, but Jesus did not have men conferred degrees upon him. John the Baptist did not have men conferred degrees upon him. The 11 disciples, the 10, did not have men, uh, men conferred degrees upon them. The apostle Paul threw his away, burned them up. And uh, throughout church history, we have seen how the church has escalated in terms of clergy accomplishment only to diminish in terms of commitment to the true and the living God and the word of his grace. This is a sad reality, and it becomes so hard to discern for uh, the average parishioner of the church, so hard to discern, so hard to discern false carnal Christianity. So very hard to discern. How come, Pastor? Because people do not read their Bibles. You have so many distractions going on in your life that you don't read your Bible. And then when you read it, you skip over those those little speed bumps that tell you, hey, watch out. The Pharisees love to sit in Moses' seat and tell you what you should do, but don't do it. And so you have so many things in the word of God that actually lays out a legitimate plumb line that distinguishes true religion from false religion. But the vigorous work of the Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 lays it out. The vigorous work of the Antichrist, chapter 2 rather, lays it out that the man of sin working by the power and energy of the Satan uh, uh, deceives the masses of the world because God gives them over to a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And that's where we are in America, have been for a long time. People believe lies. It just is really true. Um, and so, you know, uh, in, unless you and I submit to the word of God, uh, we're going to be deceived. Line number one, let me talk with Michelle before I take a break. Michelle on line one, what is your question, Michelle? Well, Our observation? Our 
And then I need you to cut your phone down because I hate hearing myself a second time. Oh, well, I was trying to get you before I got on my bus ride. Oh, okay. I like talking in public. So, and I just got on the bus. (laughs) Are you not going to talk then? You you want to hang up? I'm going to do it real quick. Okay. Uh, You used to have a young lady, I believe the name was Deborah, that used to uh, call every week. Yes. But I haven't heard her in months. Is there any way that the church should be praying for her? How should we be praying for her? Right, she moved. Lady I know who she that. is, Michelle. Okay. I know who she is. Uh, she moved. She's in a different context. And the church at large should always pray for them, particularly if the Lord lays it on your heart. Uh, but if you wanted more details, you could call the office at Grace, and they would give you more details on that. Oh, okay. And then my other question, where I really need help at, men wearing hats in church and men standing up doing worship service and having, if they're on the worship, they're leading the worship team and have hats on their heads. I'm from the old school, and I don't think men should be in the house of God wearing hats when you can't even wear a hat in the judge in the courtroom. You're right. You know, so. No, that's that's not a conversation. You're right. Hats need to come off. They would come off in my church. I think I've lost a few men. I'll be honest with you. When I say, "Hey, hey, bro, we got to take our hats off," and uh, and that's all that is. To it's called honor and respect. But uh, today we have very little honor and respect for God in the assembly. Today, a lot of it is just uh, you know showmanship and imagery and uh, you know and, and and things that are really uh, losing that that kind of respect for and decorum around. Around, uh, what it means to be a gentleman, what it means to be in the presence of God, Coram Deo. Um, so, yeah, all that's over with, particularly with our present generation. I'm sorry to say, um, bless you, sister. I got to take a break. When I come back, I'll deal with the rest of you on uh, this Monday edition of Lifeline. We do have one line open, one 367 We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we back, we're back. The time 622 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line number two and talk with Ken in Oakland. Ken, what is your question, comment, or observation, sir? Ken in Oakland, are you there? Ken going once. Ken going twice. Ken going three times. Um Let's go to line number four and talk with Lisa in San Jose on line number four. Lisa, are you there? Yes, Pastor. Hi. What's your question, comment, or observation? So um, just to have a dialogue, uh, Christ has been in my life, and God has shown me so many good things in my life and saved me out of so many troubles. Mm -hmm. But what bothers me is that if our president is going to nationally say that he disagrees with Christ, it sets a precedent that Americans can, or this country can just do what it wants with with God and, and with Christ, and to do that publicly is to deny Christ. Yeah, and I would you cannot agree. Be a, you cannot be a nation, uh, you know, with with God, if if you're denying Christ, because that you know that goes hand in hand, 
and that's really troubling to me. I did not hear the full speech. Well, you can. But, all you have um, to do, all you have to do is, all you have to do is Google. President denies Jesus' words about how to be gracious with your adversaries, and it'll come up. My sister wouldn't have my sister would not have uh, shared this publicly if it was, you know, some kind of um, uh, empty rhetoric or some kind of uh, right. gossip. So it's it was there. Right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he has that person that really, that persona. Yeah. And I sometimes in his tone, it just comes out as flat out hate and bigotry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just, uh, it's along the lines of his, his all of his, his actions and words up until this point. Um, and so I, I just have fear for this nation now that it, it sets a precedent, a mindset, um, you know, kind of a, a privilege that we can just go around hating and denying Christ by that, denying God, and and it's just, it's downhill from there. (laughs) It's ugly. Uh, and let me say something about um, our three forms of uh, government that that basically establishes a framework. I didn't talk about it earlier, but um, I did open up talking about the acquittal that took place in terms of the attempt on the part of uh, the Congress, at least the Democratic side of the Congress, to impeach the president. It was a failed attempt on the part of the Democrats for three fundamental reasons, Lisa. One is, is that. The process works in order to impeach a president. uh, There has to be substantial evidence and uh, labored examination of impeachable conduct. I mean, really impeachable conduct. Anything short of impeachable conduct should not result in his impeachment just because people don't like him, just because the Democrats serve as the opposing party, just because of people's opinions about the president. This is one of the uh, safeguards of a uh, a, a, a constitutional law that frames our uh, frames, our our government frames, our system of government. And for me, uh, I never did think he was going to be impeached. Uh, But secondly, it indicated not only that the system worked, the the process of inquiring as to whether or not the allegations against him were valid and whether or not they reached the level of impeachability because they virtually have never, ever reached the level of impeachability. Uh, Bill Clinton was just as bad as as President Trump. Quite frankly, on so many levels, it's just amazing to me that, you know, that he would be there. Um and to behave himself the way that he does, but neither one of them uh, were um, were uh, legitimately and summarily ultimately impeached. It was just you know charges laid against them. This goes all the way back to um, Andrew Jackson. Uh, the same way uh, when it came to President uh, Richard Nixon, he stepped down before uh, we would have faced that awful, ignominious uh, sort of blight on our nation as a country to have had to impeach the president. I said all that to say this, Lisa, that um, that. Uh, don't worry about don't don't be worried about the president's lack of reverence for Christ. Um, Barack Obama was the same way. Quite frankly, if one were to be objective, you would find that he professed to believe in Jesus. But Jesus is a small Jesus today with many politicians and many churches and many people. Jesus is a small Jesus. He's a means to an end. He's not the end. He's not the 
uh, revelation of the invisible God. He's not the logos made flesh. He is not the inerrant, authoritative, impeccable, flawless uh, truth of God to be submitted to and bowed to. He is not the one mediator between God and man, the man Christ. He's not the savior of the world for them. He is not God in the flesh for them. He's not the means of atonement for them. He is neither uh, their wisdom, their righteousness, redemption, or sanctification. Jesus is all of that to every true believer. Jesus is all of what I said to every true believer. He is the exact representation of the invisible God. He is the clarity of God redemptively in wisdom and righteousness and sanctification. We only know God in a saving way because of Jesus Jesus is the personification of what we have in the codification of who he is in our Bibles. And when the Holy Ghost helps us to comprehend the supremacy, the excellency, the beauty, the splendor, the exaltation uh, of Jesus Christ um, in our hearts, in our reality, we would never even frame our lips to make such a comment. But be sure of this. There have been many, many monarchs, many Lilliputians, many kings, many rulers who have come before President Trump who have said the same thing about Jesus. They're gone. Jesus is still on the throne. They're dead. Jesus is still alive. They have uh, ex- exited their offices and their seats, and Jesus is still on the throne, sovereignly governing the universe. He's the one that's upholding all things by the word of his power. We all live, move, and have our being in Jesus. Jesus, uh, the Jesus to whom every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God, the father of things in heaven, of things on the earth and of things under the earth on that day. So the people of God never really have to worry about um, a thing. The other thing is, you know, he may do four more years, sister, but um, it won't bother us. It really won't bother us other than for us to pray for him and the rest of the unbelieving Congress who overtly denies the truth or hypocritically and fainly uh, pretends to hold to the truth. That's our job as the church to pray for all that are in authority. We don't have to agree with them, but we do have to pray for them. And we do have to know that God has given you and me a promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you and me in judgment, God will condemn. This is the righteousness of the Lord. This is the heritage that we have from God and our righteousness is from him. And so as long as you and I still see Jesus, as absolutely the epitome of glory and righteousness and hope and beauty and splendor and power and dominion and mercy and grace. Um, This is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it and be ready vigorously to look for another person to fill the White House in the next four years. Saying that, I'm going to say one more thing. I got to take a break. Three lines open, by the way, one triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine, three lines open, one triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine. There, God knows how to work through base men, according to Daniel chapter two. Lisa, God knows how to work through them, and sometimes He'll have to use a base man to get things done when He can't find a good man to get things done, and um, that might very well be the case here. Thank you for your concern. Keep a tender heart because we need to. Um, and uh, talk to you again next time. We're going to take a break. Three lines open, one 888 We can talk about it. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we're back, 636, 20 minutes to go. Two lines open, one 888 
3675 to get in on the conversation with yours truly with uh, with a topic that might be of interest to our audience. Let me go to line one and talk with Marie in San Jose, line number one. Marie, are you there? I am. What is your question, comment, or observation, young lady? Hi, I'm just making a comment, a couple comments on the last two callers. Okay. Um, first of first of all, on the the hat thing in church, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I get the respect thing, but I feel like you know we're in the presence of God twenty four seven, and I don't think God cares what we wear when we worship Him. Yes, He does. And Hold on. Yes, he does. And so the reason I want to stop you there is to help you think through why you would make that response. I really do want you to think that one through with me for a moment. So you are a biblical Christian, right? Yes. Okay. So you do know your Bible has both an Old Testament section of ethics and decorum and a New Testament section of ethics and decorum. You you do know that, right? Right. Right. So you do know that from time to time, God will talk about how we are to present ourselves before him. For instance, in the Old Testament, he said to the priest, when you come before me, I don't want to see any of your skin showing at all. I don't want your flesh exposed. I want you to cover up from head to the toe. I don't want anything exposed either to me or to others when you do your ministry. This is where the Old Testament model of full covering uh, was uh, advanced in the New Testament, uh, Marie, by um, by uh, the clergy that led up into Catholicism, which became a new neo-Judaistic system, too. You know, within the papacy, they wear the long garbs, right, with all of the different regalia around it in full covering. And and, and pastors will do that, too. You've seen the long uh, garments that they wear with, with the white collar, and you don't necessarily have to be Catholic with that. Uh, but my point being is that both the Old Testament and New Testament do talk about that the uh, behavior of the believer should always be such that even in our dress, we should not be a distraction. We should not uh, come into the presence of God. And we're using that term simply on a locational level. For instance, whenever the body of Christ gathers together, we there God would be present ostensibly. When we come to, uh, together in the whole congregation, we have to think about how we dress. And I, I already know you're getting that. At the moment, Uh, I know you're getting that a female must not come in. She just must not. If she's if she's mature, if she's biblically informed and uh, and she wears, you know, garments that have the capacity to be distracting. Um, it's very clear in the Bible that she should dress modestly. You know those biblical terms, right? Of course. That's, that's not what I'm uh, that's not what I'm alluding to at all. Of course, you are going to come with your body covered and appropriateness in that manner. But I don't look as at a hat or like a certain type of coat or. Um, OK, so I'm going to give you another Bible verse to help you. First Corinthians okay. chapter 11. OK, so in first Corinthians chapter 11, as as Paul, by the spirit of God, let me take Paul out because the ultimate author is God. And I know you get that. The statement says that the head of Christ is God. That doesn't have to do with his ontology. It has to do with his role as the God man. He had a head over him. 
and that the head of men is Christ. That's the first, second, third verses of First Corinthians 11. You, you know that text. Right. And that the head yep. of the woman is the man. You remember that, right? Yeah. And you remember the development of, of Paul's address to the church at Corinth is that it's a shame for a man's head to be covered. Yes. And that the woman, uh, by virtue of her distinction gender wise, she already has a covering in her hair. But throughout history, we've also had some some struggles with whether or not the language there, and, and I don't have time to go into it too deeply, yeah. is affirming whether or not women should have a coverings over their head. Because what Paul was talking about was that the angels are observing the way in which we approach God. The man is, would be ashamed to have a hat over his head. And this was exactly, uh, uh, Mary, the opposite of uh, Jewish uh, tradition, because in Jewish tradition, uh, you know, the yarmulke is what they they would wear men would wear a hat when they came into the presence of God. Correct. Right. But, but God explicitly says no head covering for the man, no head covering for the man. When you come into the presence of God and here's the reason why, and I, I get where you're going to problem is, is that I, I have held in a very tangential way, the, the, the kind of Western notion that it's all right for us to come into the presence of God as long as our heart is right. Well, we really can only know if our heart is right if when we come across biblically explicit imperatives, commands that tell us how to approach God, and then we submit to those commands. Because God has a reason for why he would have us to come that way. And and you you I can tell you're aware of that. So the reason why I, I, I was able to affirm that young lady in that and, and she admitted that, you know, from her for her was coming through a measure of tradition. But I get it. What's happening in our society is a gradual disillusion of understanding what it means to honor God in the whole assembly of the saints Uh very much so because of the notion that it's all right to come to God any kind of way. But what I would say is, and this argument has been going on for for many hundreds of years, that if you had to face the biblical testimony of what God has explicitly stated, the term that we can just come to God, you know, kind of any kind of way would not pass the test of Scripture. Right. And I don't think any kind of way, like like I said, you have to be covered and all that. So let me say this, if a man has a toupee on his head. He's not supposed to wear that in church, right? So you know, at at that at that point, what he's doing is dealing with his bald head. He's dealing with his bald head. Same thing as that. That would be the same thing as a woman wearing a wig. It would be wholly appropriate there because, well, but see, it's not the covering like a hat. It's not the same thing. People wear hats when they're bald because they want to cover their bald head. Right, and they have to work. They have to the head covering. But they and therefore they have to work through why they would be ashamed of an explicit command that scripture gives. They would have to work through that. Now, there's grace. Well, I'm just saying that it's it would be acceptable for a man to come in with a toupee, but it wouldn't be acceptable for a man to come in with a hat, even though they may be the same. No reason. No, no. It wouldn't be I know lots of bald men who wear hats to cover their bald head. Of course. And I and they and they wear them when they come into the church and I say, fellas, take them off unless we're doing something informal. When we're doing formal worship, I encourage them to take it off when we're informal. I don't do that. That's not that's not, you know, grace has a way of making sure that we are not lawless. But at the same time, we are not careless. 
Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. So I would say that when we start moving into the weeds of, you know, subtle nuanced differences like toupees and things of that nature, the thing that you and I want to make sure that we do is that we don't have kind of an artificial approach to obeying God's commandments because they do have purposes behind them. And at the same time, understand the reasonableness of prosthetics uh, in relationship yeah. to people's, uh, you know, conscious concern, conscientious concerns of themselves. I would totally understand that. And I would know the difference between the two. And, you know, so I'm just getting at, you know, if it, if you got a skull cap on because it's freezing cold, I'm totally going to understand that we're not going to throw you out of the church or anything like that. But if you got a big um, top hat on or you're running around with a three X beaver or you've got one of the much more uh, beautiful uh, or or, you know, ornate, uh, uh, you know, what we used to call in the old days, apple cap. That's coming off. If you love God and you recognize the distinction of the, the whole gathering of the congregation, you're going to you're going to understand the importance of it and see there is a real glory to first Corinthians chapter 11 that we're not even talking through. I wish I had time to preach it, that we get to come into the presence of God as men without a covering because our covering is Christ. And uh, and that has all kinds of implications around the issue of grace. But I do want to say this in relationship to your calling. I appreciate it. Are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. This is just, this is within the framework of of how we execute grace. We're not talking about salvation issues. So, and I'm sure you know that. Right. What else? What else you got yeah. on your? What okay. else you got? My other my other comment was just about the Trump thing. Uh huh. And um, I'm you know I totally get why people are upset with Trump as far as certain things he says and does and all this. But I also wish that people would look at that. He is one of the first presidents ever to stand up for pro-life. And the other thing is that we're all in a journey, and we're all imperfect Christians. Mm -hmm. And for us to just continually be judging and trying to find and catch him in a snare of he said this or he said that, we're all in a journey, and we're not—he's obviously not there yet. I mean, he has improvements to— to learn and and this and that, but I mean, are we're not supposed to be judging where other people are at in their Christian journey? Yeah, we, yeah, mean, we are. Come on, come yeah, on, well, hold on, are, hold on, girl, come on, no. stay with me now. Don't let, well, don't, lose me. don't lose me. Don't lose me. You, you, a, you so rational. Because you know, listen to me. You know what you did when you got on? You judged other Christians' assessment. No, you asked for comments. That's mm-hmm. my interpretation. And, and then, but well, that's a judgment. It's a okay. Judgment. You can do that. You can't. You can't help but do it. And, and, and I get where you're coming from. No, wait. Let me let me answer that because a, a judgment is when you're trying to say that you're putting someone down and that you're better than them. No, my, now but see, we I, all have to I don't know who are the other, I don't know who the other persons are that you would be talking about, but the person that called today, and this is the way I would frame our, our, um, our, our conversation, Marie, the person that came on to talk about 
the one thing that he said. She said nothing else about all of the litany of snafus and faux pas and crazy statements that my president has made before he became president or after. She said nothing about that. I have to defend her, right? Don't I have to defend her? No, I'm not just talking about her. Okay. All right. So, so, so I'm simply saying that what my sister did was based upon what I recognize are the cumulative uh, statements that my president has made since the time he kind of made a quasi profession of faith, which they all do. Uh, up yeah. to the present moment where he just kind of lets his hair down and says, I disagree with Jesus. Her statement, yeah. her concern, her being appalled by that is absolutely necessary. Absolutely. And I agree with that. And I wasn't really directing that just at her. But you didn't clarify. I we, okay, I'm sorry. What mm-hmm. I meant was we as a, a whole and multiple people mm-hmm. are always focusing on everything that's wrong and and there are a lot of things wrong but there's also things that are a step ahead of other presidents as well now do you do you listen to do you listen to both sides do you listen to both sides like do you listen to i'm gonna take you to the uh, do i have a break to do i got a break Okay, I got to take a break. But here's what I want to ask you, because I'm I'm very I I think we can work with this. You got a few minutes to hold on. Yeah. Okay, I want to get I got to pay some bills. Otherwise, the radio goes off. But I want to talk you through talk with you through uh, what I recognize is um, an exercise that gets a little bit in the extreme, too. And that is I want to talk about how well do you listen to both sides? I want to talk to you about that and therefore be talking to thousands of people with us, uh, Maria, about how well do we listen to both sides? Got to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we're back. Um, uh, what I was asking you earlier, Mary uh, Marie, was how how do you how do you go about listening to data and news and information on, on a political level? Do you listen only to the conservative side, Fox News, and, and other channels that basically operates as a platform for promoting the president, or do you listen in balance to both the? Uh, the conservative views and the liberal views, such as MSNBC, uh, maybe NPR, KPIX, uh, KPIA, which are progressive stations that will deal with the, the issues of politics from a different angle. How do you do that? Yeah, I listen to both of it. But it, to me, it's, this is, it's not even about the political side of this. It's, it's more just about, in general, of... Um, I just know that for myself personally, I, I've been a Christian my most of my life, but I can look back at, you know, in my life and see things, obviously, that I did very wrong. And I think we're all on a journey and we're, we're not, we're alive and on this earth because we're not done yet. And so I, I totally get being appalled by something like that and, and we should be, but what are we doing about it other than complaining and saying how terrible it is? I mean, does any, shouldn't we be praying for him that he would learn and that maybe contact and, and explain why that's so wrong? And rather than just trying to point out 
people's inefficiencies and things they do wrong. Ashley, I think that that's an overgeneralization of what you're stating. I, I really do. So I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to press into it a little bit. I respect your, 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 your observation and view. But, you know, I, I, uh, I deal with the world from a broad lens of listening to several different uh, worldviews, political views and Christian views in order to get for me a balanced assessment of what's really being said. Uh, I hear from the conservative side that retort that you made. All they want to do is tear the president down. Um, But what I hear also from the conservative side is all they ever do is promote him. They very seldom do the objective assessment of things that he's done wrong. And the idea of us doing an objective assessment of what we do wrong is not non-Christian. It would be dangerous for you and I to not make an observational point about a, a thing done wrong. And neither is it mutually exclusive for us as Christians to go um, what the president said on that bus back before he became president about playing with women's uh, vaginas, which was explicit and recorded so that this is not hearsay, was absolutely abominable and has implications that needs to be drawn out in terms of his view of women. It would have no place within a Christian worldview or Christian language, and it would not be justifiable uh, as part of what it means to be a baby Christian. Uh, fast forwarding up to the statement here that he made here, um, that statement also after three or four years, uh, 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 two and a half years moving into his presidency, professing to be a believer, having all kind of professing believers around him. His vice president, Mike Pence, is an absolutely legitimate individual with all kinds of just accolades on my part for his decorum, his demeanor, his capacity to even be in the presence of Trump, uh, presence of Trump with his skill sets. Uh, promotion and demotion is what ends up happening with any of us when we are on a platform. Society gets to judge us. Um, Christ said, don't condemn. He didn't say don't judge. He said, don't condemn. And when I look at where the president is to whom much is given, much is required. It happened to Jesus, your master. They promoted him when they loved him. They demoted him when they hated him. He was every bad thing in the book, and he's every wonderful thing in the book as well. It happened to Paul. Happened to me. Happened to you. It happens to all of us. We just have to keep the balance. We cannot like a lot of things about our president, but we must continually pray for him and pray for leadership as well. Um, and, uh, and, And remember, we are all on a journey. I agree with you totally. Bless you and bless those of you who are listening to this program. We're done for today. Lord willing, we will see you next week. Keep your eyes on the only one who is altogether lovely, Jesus the Christ. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.